welcome to what is a From the Rookery Inn special. No yes, less. we are going to... We're, we're outside uh, a pub, about to go in. It's not a, not a seedy pub, it's quite a nice pub, yes? High-end. High-end, high end. yeah. To speak to a high-end man, Scott Duxbury, the Chief Executive Officer of Watford Football Club. Almost come up for his two-year anniversary, I suppose. Yeah, we, I feel like we should have bought him, uh, bought him a cake, perhaps, but... There you oh, go. The chance has gone. Three years. Yeah, <laughs> maybe a third. But we bring in our presence, Mike, as in our ourselves rather than our present. Uh, we're going to go and chat to him. We want to find out about, uh, about him, about Watford, where we are at the moment, where we're going, how he feels it's going. Just get a feel for it. Uh, so let's go in and see what Scott's got to say for himself. A podcast made by Watford fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. So day one, you arrive at Watford Football Club, Scott. Yeah. And your first challenge, what was the first thing you sort of knew you had to do? There wasn't really a day one because the, the takeover had taken several months to, uh, to try and complete. There were, there were several challenges. There was a reluctant uh, seller in Mr. Bassini. So it became quite apparent during those uh, negotiations what the problems were. And unfortunately, more and more problems as we, uh, as we actually took our position became apparent and uh, I think most of them have been public over the past year. That was one of the biggest frustrations. Rather than come into Watford and actually start the project, which you know people hate that word, uh, we were dealing with legacy issues, and we still are dealing with legacy issues, and it's quite frustrating when you've got a plan and you want to build something and you're still fighting the past, but we knew that that's what it would be like, and uh, it's uh, turned out to be a lot harder than we actually thought. Some people might argue that Watford, even without the, the problems that we know that, that happened, on its own, in, even in good shape, would be a hard club to turn around and take to the Premier League and, and make successful. Do you feel that, and was that part of the, the attraction to, no, to no, get on board? The complete opposite. When I was speaking to Gino, and we were given the brief to, to find a club, we looked at several clubs, we talked to, to several clubs, and, and Watford was the, 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 the standout candidate. It's, you know, I've, I've said on many occasions that the reason why it was Watford was that it's got that London base, yet it's out of London, and the most important factor is it has fans that are patient. Without that ingredient of supporters who actually understand what we're trying to achieve, we wouldn't have had the season we had last season. You know, we, we had 40-odd players, we had performances where we were being beaten 4-5-1, but the supporters could see that what we were trying to do, they could see in a game two, three minutes of, of, of young players trying to actually do something different, and they could see what we were trying to achieve. At other football clubs, those players would have been booed off the pitch. The owners would have been booed, there'd have been protests. But it's that patience that has allowed last season to happen and allows us to continue to develop and try and achieve what we want to do. So, no, 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 Watford was, was picked for all the right reasons. It is the perfect club for the Pozzos, it's the perfect club for, for what we're trying to achieve. You mentioned Gino, I feel a bit nervous calling him by his first name. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Mr. Pozzo. What are those guys like, as, just as characters? Gino's brilliant. I mean, he's, uh, you know, he, he's the perfect owner. He's calm. He never gets carried away when we win. He never gets depressed when we lose. He's, he's just, you know, it's a complete cliche, but he, he's got his eye on the ball. He, he's here for the long term. He's moved all his family here. And, you know, he really wants to achieve. And importantly, he's really, really ambitious. So when we lose, it hurts really, really bad. And he's the man that can do something about it. And uh, that, that's why I'm really confident that we, we will have success. There's no time frame for on it, but you know, we will be in the Premier League at some point. It's not, it's not a matter of, of, of if, it's, it's when. And uh, somebody like Gino will, will make that happen. Because we, you know, we've lived for a long time as Watford fans in a 
close to administration, you know, all those worries, points, deductions. And I, you know, I, I always thought it was always round the corner until recently. What is different now about the club that sort of make, will hopefully not make it against administration? There's many factors, you know, but, you know, the most important is we, we have a plan. We, we have a structure, we have a business plan, we, we understand what it is we want to achieve and we've got the, the people in place to do that. Uh, I think one of the great things about the, the football club that, that I found is that the quality of the staff that, 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 that are here, and many of them long term, is, is exceptional. And I think perhaps under, under previous regimes they've not been able to flourish. Now, you know, they're really delivering and they've got the, the heart of the club uh, that is it's their priority. And uh, I think it's, it's a great combination having, having true Watford fans, long-standing staff that really have the, 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 the benefit and the future of the club in, in their hearts working every hour God sends to try and deliver. If you then couple that with a, a strategic plan of where we want to get to, then I think it's, it, it's a recipe for success. And then you have stable owners who aren't emotional, who aren't throwing huge money at it, and then results don't go well and they take the money out. They're just calm, sensible. They know where they want to get to. They know how to get there. And they, uh, and they don't react. As I say, they don't react when things are going well. They don't react when things are going bad. They're, just, they, 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 they're, they're going to see it to the end. Do you, do you actually look at other situations around the championship and the ridiculous of some, you know, the way the media maybe portray them, but just how some owners treat football clubs and just thankful that we're, we've got who we've got as our owners. Completely. And, uh, and this is why, I mean, it's a results-driven industry you know, and it's an entertainment industry. So I understand this season it, it's been slightly disappointing and there's been performances and games where, you know, people have left and it's not been, it's not been good. And, you know, that's ultimately what, what we're about. We're about entertaining people and making sure that people turn up to the Vic, they watch a great game and they leave happy. And when things are going well, but you get discontent, and it's difficult to try and say, well, hold on, remember, we've got great owners and everything's, everything's rosy. But that is the case. You know, we've got stability, we've got owners, they're going to be here and take the club forward. So when things aren't going well, that, that should give some sort of solace to supporters. It's a difficult ask because ultimately people just want to turn up and watch entertaining football and want to see us win. And ideally, you're not worried about the owners. You know, they shouldn't be the, the forefront of, of, of a football club. They shouldn't. Uh, but given the club's recent history, given the perils of the championship, to have that stability, it, it's just good to know. You mentioned the staff and, and how good they are. Of course, you're which one, and we're lucky enough to have you here today. So are you able just to sort of briefly describe what your day-to-day job is. I know it would be different from, from day-to-day, but a sort of rough overview of, of what life is like as a chief executive as a championship football club. Yeah, in, in, in real sim- simple terms, my staff are really talented. When things go well, I take all the credit for it. <laughs> when things go bad, it's their fault. So that's the, 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 the typical line of the... People know what the players do. People kind of know what the potsdams do. They own the club. They kind of fund it, so on and so forth. Is it more frustrating for, for guys like yourself and your backroom staff that you potentially have harder work to do in terms of you know this, this, the strategy and putting together commercial partners and and all the sort of nuts and bolts and dare I say slightly more boring, less glamorous stuff? So is it frustrating that you guys don't necessarily get the credit that you feel you might deserve? Or? No. The, this is one thing that is the, 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 the credit to Watford. You know, I've, I've, 
being at other clubs and there's, there's quite a disjoint between what happens at the, the training ground and what happens on the pitch to what happens on the commercial side but Watford Football Club really is a united club you know uh, Beppe was at the, the, the stadium today talking to all the staff and I think every single member of the, the stadium staff feels part of what's happening on the uh, uh, on the pitch so it, it's very much a unified club and I think everyone understands that if, if we're selling a season ticket or we're selling a replica kit that actually is going to help the, 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 the first team and equally the first team understand when they win that's going to help it, 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 it's a really joined up club uh, you know, and, I, and I'm not just saying that you know, people are People at the stadium are often at the training ground. The players, the Foresteries, down at the stadium. You know, it, it, it's a really unified club. So there just isn't that disjoint. So there isn't that frustration. How do you, how do you think that was achieved? Having that sort of that connection with the players. Do you think it's something about that first season when no, all those no. players came over? That was that was always the worry that how you got a bunch of players coming in who you know that they're foreign players they've never played in England that they would they get that link with the club but it was always a worry they, and clearly they haven't do you think they can put down to anything in particular I think that spirit and that, that, that unified nature of the club was there way before we came along I think, I think that's just it's nothing to do with owners it's nothing to do with CEOs it's, it's just what, what the football club is which is you know, a, a credit to the football club Talking specifically about the, 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 the foreign players from last year, I, I think you know you could see players like Tokyo He just he's fell in love with the club, fell in love with with Watford. You know, and I think that passion and that you can't fake that. And supporters can see straight through it. Uh, and so that passion was real, and you know we were fortunate that the players we brought in, the Patokios, the Abdis, they loved the club, and uh, and supporters can see that. And you know, we don't really look at nationality; it's you know it, it's it's about bringing in good players, good players that, and good isn't just about the technical ability; it's about their passion, their heart, and they want to be at the club. And it doesn't matter what national not what nationality they are. Uh, and I think we're fortunate that we've got a group of players like that and you know Patokio and Murray they're, they're almost like the, the same player they, 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 they will die for the club they will you know one is, uh, one is uh, Italian and the other is, is homegrown and it doesn't matter they're right. good good players Do you think Watford ever will be a hard sell for players as we hopefully move up the, up the divisions and, and get established in the Premier League Will there ever be a case of it, it is hard to when you, we reach a level where it's hard to attract players because just being part of a, a community-based club, middle of the Premier League, because you could argue we're attracting players above our station already. And I often think, what do they turn out? They, they get here and they see the East End, and they think, oh my goodness gracious, what have we walked into? Not now, the East End's oh, fantastic. It's looking absolutely magnificent, and we'll continue to do so. But you know, you know what I mean. Last year, for example, it, it didn't look at its best. And no, I think. Uh, I think the attraction of, of getting to the Premier League is is, is huge, and you know, that's why we're able to attract players. Then, with our group structure, that you know we have that international element. We've got Granada as a as, as an associate. We've got uh, Udinese as, a, as an associate. So, you know, Watford will never lose its its individuality, but we're part of a of a global structure. So. I think even on our own right, we can attract higher quality players, and then add the law of the Premier League to it. And no, I, d- I don't think we'll ever struggle to. If, if you look at Fulham, Fulham were a very small football club in the lower divisions, and they they, they rose to the Premier League, and they were an established Premier League side. Yes, the season's gone a little wrong for them, but they they built themselves up into an established 
quite glamorous and we football club and there's absolutely no reason why we can't do that Was there any element of when you were going to away games certainly last year and perhaps carried on into this year any element of sort of a prickly relationship with other clubs who felt that we might have been doing something wrong or were jealous or was there any element of that at all? It was definitely an element of jealousy not that we were doing anything wrong it's just that you know what was Little or Watford doing beating us uh, but I quite like that you know, it, 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 it really didn't, didn't concern me had we have been failing and been bottom of the league, there wouldn't have been any concern about what we were doing, and you know, I'm sure Mr Holloway's little rant would have uh, would have been directed elsewhere, but I, I personally really enjoyed it. So. And do you think it gives Watford that little bit of... We spoke to um, Adam Leventhal a couple of months ago, well, probably a year ago, and he said the one thing that frustrated him a little bit about Watford was they were, ne- they were never the bad guys. They were never nasty. They were always sort of good old Watford and all right, they had a bit of success, but they were always fairly cuddly. And I quite... Re- we, we reveled in it as well. And is, that, is it quite helpful for us to be sort of... Less so, but perceived as the bad guys, do you think? I think it, I think it goes down really to the uh, to the, the English psyche you know there's sort of like an aversion to success uh, so if we're the bad guys it's because we're successful so ultimately I want to be promoted so I'll have to be the bad guy then because you know, that's what we need to do but the, the, we, we talked about the East End already we've seen this East End sort of creep up I think it had been delayed probably because of horrendously bad weather for us it's brilliant to have foresight mm-hmm. you know there's that sort of simple thing for football fans I don't think we can stress that enough no, about no. what a joy as a football as a Watford supporter is to see the progress over there it has been we got used to it so you kind of sort of it's like two things that you have every year eventually you forget that and it's just absolutely magnificent to see it how does that benefit the club you know, from your point of view how is that going to be a, a great thing for our football club primarily the, the, the reason I mean I started negotiating to try and get the stand built uh, Soon after the fans forum, when I made the declaration to get to fifteen thousand, and Richard said we'll probably do that, and I went, "Oh, great! <laughs> <laughs> Never drink at a fans forum." <laughs> uh, so soon after that, I started negotiating to try and uh, try and see j- just how we can do this in the most cost-effective way and, and simple way. And I looked at some of the previous designs, and I think one of the big stumbling blocks was everyone was trying to go for this big, grandiose uh, stand. We'll have this, we'll have that, we'll have that, and all we really needed was seating. So once I scaled it back and decided that we're just going to go for seats, then the cost came tumbling down and, uh, and we could start doing some meaningful uh, uh, negotiations. And, and then I sat down with Gino, which was the more tricky conversation. <laughs> By the way, I've just committed to uh, spending X million on, a, on, a, on an e-stand and the driving force was really for the team. Clearly, the commercial revenues... It, it, it's fantastic, you know, we increase the attendance, but effectively for the next few years it's going to be, uh, it won't alter the revenues because the increased attendance will pay back for the, uh, for the East End. And the driving force was to create an environment for the players and for the supporters that's going to be more competitive. Because playing in a three-sided stadium, I'm, I'm convinced, and Gino was, it, it affects the team. You know, it, you know they, we talked about earlier on the, the quality of uh, players we can attract. Playing the three-sided stadium is not good, and the atmosphere, you know, it just evaporates. So the primary, uh, the primary reason why Gina said, "Yeah, definitely, let's do it," was to create a full-sided stadium for the benefit of the team. That you know, we'll have an environment that the team will actually believe is is worthy of getting to the Premier League and, the, uh, and hopefully the atmosphere will be uh, will, will increase as well because the sound will be contained and that was the driving force that 
you know, we're trying, we've got aspirations to get to the Premier League, and yet we've got a, a second division stadium. So by completing that stand, we then have a stadium we can be proud of, and uh, it, it's another piece in the jigsaw to get us to the Premier League. Because it would get us to 20,000, 21,000. 21, Is that enough? For if we went up, it's enough for a competitive championship side that's trying to get to the Premier League. If we get to the Premier League, then we can start developing the corners, then we can start looking to increase to 25, getting up to 30, which I think will be enough. Then we can sustain ourselves in the Premier League, and then we can look to, to where the future takes us. But for now, I think 21,000 is, is perfect for where we are, where we need to be. And what and what's next? What's the next exciting thing after the East End as, as football supporters? What can we look forward to? Off the pitch or on the pitch? Either one. Both, in fact. Let's make it difficult for you. On the pitch. On the pitch promotion. And uh, off the pitch, we, we just continue to uh, to develop. You know, it's it's not exciting, but we're just doing half a million investment at the training ground, giving new pitches that are stadium quality. So again, it's the it's the it's the, the pothole ethos that. It's not just about bringing the players, it's the work you do. And 90% of a player's time is a training round. It's, it's just on, the, on a match day. And it's putting that work in. And the, So they're really investing heavily in the training round. So I think the exciting times ahead are that you know, the, the infrastructure and the club is, is moving at a lightning pace. And uh, I think you, you, you'll see lots of developments at the stadium. You'll see developments at the training ground. Uh, we're just uh, putting uh, planning uh, application for a, a multi-million pound development of the training ground with regards to new medical facilities, uh, pools for the players, uh, and then the ultimate exciting thing is promotion, which so will happen. If we do get promoted, can we expect Not if, when? When, sorry. Yes, I like this positivity. Sorry, <laughs> you two get on well together. <laughs> um, when we get promoted, yeah. can we look forward to a jointly hosted party between the Potsos and Elton John? Yes. <laughs> Can, I come? Can you ask Elton? <laughs> I'll ask Elton, you take care of Gina. Is, okay. that, is that fair enough? Okay. It's done. If we can talk about some of the people who have been in, in and around Watford during your time. Jan Franco left, obviously. Yes. How did you feel when he went? It's, it's difficult. I mean, Jan Franco's a friend, somebody who I've worked with previously, somebody who we chose to work with on a, at, a, at Watford. And there comes a point where. You know, you, you've got to put uh, your professional credentials first. I, I'm sure we could have sat down with Franco and, and, and convinced him to stay. So from the club's point of view, you were happy for him to continue? It's difficult. I think from a professional perspective, you have to put the friendship to one side. And I think he made the right decision. And I think we made the right decision in, in accepting his resignation. You know, results weren't going well. It, it, it just wasn't the right point in time. You asked me how did I feel, you know, as a friend and personally, you know, it, it was one of the most difficult times that I've had because, you know, he's a friend and it, it was great working together. And I think he gave the club something, something special, you know, Gianfranco Zola. Uh, but I think, you know, one of the hardest parts of, of, of being the chief executive, you, you, you've got to put that to one side and, uh, and love what's best for the club. So I think we made the right decision and I think we made the right decision in, in accepting it. Do I like it? No, but it, it was the right decision. So day one, when you meet Beppe, yeah. was the fact that he has his initials stitched into his collar the first thing that impressed you about him or was there something else? No, I think, I think as a football club, you know, we've got a responsibility. I think last year we discharged that responsibility by having two players with beards on the side. Mm-hmm. 
there aren't yeah, enough yeah. football clubs that have beards. You know, and I think you know we don't get enough credit for that. <laughs> and then this season, yeah, there aren't enough managers that wear three-piece suits <laughs> and look good in a waistcoat. And so, you know, that was the main driving force behind Beppe. And obviously, when I saw him, I wasn't disappointed. You know, he's, <laughs> he's a man of uh, sartorial elegance. I mean, that waistcoat is uh, oh, is, is, is impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, they're Italian heritage that we're pushing the, the fashion frontiers as well as the footballing ones. It's important for promotion. I think if you don't wear a three-piece suit, you what jobs you got? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> what can you tell us something about Pepe that we might not know? I think I think it's fair to say that fans have, have taken to him very quickly. He's very dramatic on the sidelines, and he's and, he, and he's learned English. His English seems to be coming on really well. But yeah. is there anything extra you can tell us? Uh, he's completely mad, completely insane. He's completely insane. No, he's a he's a really nice guy. I mean, talking about Gianfranco, I said that the club missed something because it was a huge, huge name and a huge reputation. What impressed me about Beppe is his personality is massive. I don't know if you've, mm. if you've met him, but it comes across. I mean, he, he is such a huge personality, and I think that's, uh, that can only serve as well. But uh, no, he, he's a really nice guy, really nice guy. And uh, he reminds me of uh, Batocchio. It's that kind of passion and instant falling in love for the football club that, uh, that Patocchio had and uh, he, he's very similar If you drop those guys into a different football club would they feel exactly the same? Uh, I don't think so because I think it's the ingredients of, of, uh, of this club that are, that are peculiar uh, you know, for me it was the, the August open day where you just saw all the kids and all the players and you know, it was like if, if you just dropped somebody there we weren't a professional football club we were just a local community club completely and utterly uh, embedded in the, in the, in the community uh, and I think it's those and, and that's what we, we need to make sure we retain when we get to the Premier League because we will uh, is that we're a professional football club we've got huge aspirations but somehow and it's nothing to do with us it's, it's a, a historical point somehow we've managed to retain this community feel about the club that CEOs will come to the pub and, and, and have a chat with, with, with supporters players will go to the local restaurants and after a playoff semi-final victory will be eating with the fans and it, it, it's quite special that the club has managed to retain that and it, as I say it's nothing to do with us it's nothing to do with the previous regimes it's just something that's, that's in the, the DNA of this football club a, a lot of people would argue that Watford fans for whatever reason aren't they are passionate all football fans are passionate but it doesn't necessarily always come across in the atmosphere at Rickery Road we haven't always had the biggest crowds but you, you would suggest as, as not a Watford fan as someone who's recently arrived at the club that, that Watford fans are perhaps passionate. more passionate than, than completely it just doesn't translate to maybe being uh, vocal and, and in a in a match day environment, but outside and the, the, the passions the passions unbelievable. But the actual environment of the Vic doesn't actually concern me in the slightest because we're building East stand and it, and it will improve significantly. But it, it's the biggest benefit we have because passion works both ways. You know, you can turn on a, on, on a, on a, a young player that has a misplaces a pass after 20 minutes. They can be booing and they can go into the shells and destroy. You know, our crowd never turns on its players, and so they're able to grow, they're able, able to blossom. Yes, it'd be nice if they were a bit noisier and they were that, but it happens. The semi-final of the, uh, of the playoff was, 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 was the atmosphere cut couldn't be beat. So the atmosphere, I, I've never criticised our supporters of the atmosphere, because to me it's, it's a massive positive. The first time I, I've, I've ever heard our crowd turn was with uh, Deer Cate. That was the only time I've ever heard 
than boo but and I think that was that was sort of more a combination of frustrations that perhaps feeling like we'd missed out on the playoffs and a couple of, of bad bad results I can't I didn't agree with it but I kind of understand where I don't think it was necessarily aimed at him it was just no. more of an outpouring of absolutely uh, absolutely I'm, and I'm not being critical I'm just saying that for most clubs that that isn't you know an exception that's yeah. the norm yeah. and that will happen throughout the whole game and can you imagine how that you know for a young player if that had happened to Murray in the start of his career he may not have uh, developed the way he has so for me it's a massive benefit having this more rational considered crowd that maybe won't get that passionate but will we'll give people the benefit of the doubt you mentioned, you mentioned Sean there and you've mentioned sort of younger players a lot of the reason what the fans have continued to be proud of the club is is that it's the Harefield Academy and the, the youngsters that come through. I don't expect you to comment on, on rumours, but there's talk about Luke O'Neill has been in the press for whatever reason recently. Can you give us any assurances or any sort of insight as to as to what sort of youth development holds for, for Watford and how it's progressing? And yeah, nothing's changed. Well, you know, one of the reasons we, we took the club was because of Harefield. We just got unlucky at the time. The Premier League decided we were going to do this Cat 1, Cat 2. Uh, you know, again, I said it at the time, you know, Cat 1 was basically trying to replicate what we did with Harefield but the Premier League insisted to get this Cat 1 certificate you've got to spend a million pounds on a 4G turf you've got to spend £500,000 on uh, extra physio salaries all these extra costs to get this certificate that quite frankly we can't afford and we don't need we've got Harefield that is Cat 1 and you know, we, we had an audit to, to get our category uh, a few uh, months ago and that's what I said to them I said, they said is there anything you would like to say I said yeah you should give us Cat 1 status because we are how we run it with Harefield just because we don't tick the boxes with spending this on this uh, generation after turf pitch we should be Cat 1 uh, because that's how we run the, 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 the football club and it's, it's absolutely uh, central to our to our development is, is the young players coming through, both from a, a technical perspective and a financial p- uh, perspective. We want to bring through a certain number that are going to enhance the first team, and a certain number that we will move on and sell because they're, they're not good enough for us, but they will provide revenue for the development of the football club. So the, the academy is absolutely central. It's got a little bit distracted the, the debate because of this categori- uh, categorisation, but for us, historically we had Harefield and our commitment to Harefield remains and uh, nothing will change and in order to get a successful championship football club you need, you need a mix of talented players but within that mix it's got to be people that come through the academy when I was at West Ham we signed these players Jack Collins came through the academy he was the, the one that all the supporters were, were looking at and the one that gave his heart and soul. You need that mix and nothing will change at Watford for that. The, the academy is still central to our development. Whether in the Championship, the Premier League or playing in the Champions League, the academy will always be central. That's a good Or the Champions League. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> you say that sort of thing. If you had one sort of something, you know, message for the, for the fans at the end of this year, we're right at the end of the season now, the second season with you and is, is anything particularly you'd like to say to them? Uh, I don't think there's anything I, I, I can say because I mean ultimately we're here to we're here to win football matches and it hasn't been as an exciting season as it was last year uh, but the only thing I would ask is that take a step back and just look at the development of the football club the you know, off the pitch, we're developing the East Stand, we're developing the training ground, and the club is, is moving forward. Even on the pitch, 
I know it's a slim chance, but we're still fighting for the playoffs. So for two consecutive years, we've been contenders. We've been up there and we've been trying to fight for it. So as a football club, we are progressing, and that's all you can ask for, is that we're, we're always going to be competitive. And if we don't make it this year, then the one thing that, that, that I certainly do, and, and Gino does, is learn from mistakes. We have made mistakes this year, we'll rectify them in the summer, and we'll come back stronger, completely more hungry to get success with a four-sided stadium. So... The future can only be good. A podcast made by Watford fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. Thanks very much to Scott. And I think the good thing that I take out of that interview is he wasn't soft openness, he wasn't given no, the no. answers we want to hear. And I think he's reaffirmed what we all think and hope about the club. It's on a firm financial setting. We're, we're focused on youth, we're focused on being sustainable, sustainable. But most important of all, we're focused on going up and quickly. You know, he's still very, very clear that we're in with a chance this year, which, you know, is, is open to debate. But this club is focused on success and, and they want to deliver it. You know, the, the CEO is judged on results. A result is, is the Premier League. That has to be where this club is going. And while this season hasn't planned, turned out as we'd hoped, hopefully, listening, you'll, you'll have a little bit of renewed enthusiasm, um, not just for the end of the year, but for the rest of your almost, you know, you know, your Watford supporting life. <laughs> yeah. And the long may, may go on, but I, I like the fact that he, he talks about Gino Pozzo not being reactive. He's not that bloke saying, oh, let's sell players, let's buy players. He's, he knows the big game, he knows what he's doing. It's having that good owner. Yeah, things take, things take time, and uh, that's not an excuse for things going wrong, but nope. things do take time, and it sounds like he's that pragmatic guy who's looking at the thing as a whole and thinking I could move this club forward he'll be annoyed probably a lot more annoyed than us the supporters that we haven't gone up this year because it's costing him money every year we're not in the Premier League they're not you know they're not the business model isn't isn't moving on and, and succeeding as they hope so he'll be more annoyed than us but I think it sounds like he's chill in terms of he's not going to throw all his toys out of the pram just because we're currently what are we 11th or 12th it, if anything, it will make him work harder to, to make sure we, we have success next year. So, it's just encouraging. And, and it does give you that little reinvigoration and that, that, that sort of refocus a little bit. Think, we're on to something good here at Watford and, uh, and hopefully we, uh, we're going to be uh, enjoying it for a long time. Thanks for listening to this podcast special interview with Scott Dutsby, the Watford CEO, Chief Executive Officer. We'll be back in a few weeks uh, with the next sort of normal on the Rookery End. Thanks for listening and uh, as ever, come on your horns! Yeah,